I'm not a betting person, but if just a couple months ago you wanted to bet me $100 that we would all be worshiping online like this and nobody would be gathered together in any of our sanctuaries, I would have been pretty tempted to take that bet. Or if you wanted to bet me that the schools would not be meeting, all the learning would be happening by cyber school over the internet, I probably would have lost that one too. The world has changed so much. I never could have imagined how much it would change that the toilet paper would become a rare and precious commodity. Um, how about this one, that Zoom would be how we do our meetings instead of the sound of my little Yaris as I'm buzzing around town. And who would have thought, does anybody else see the irony in this? You have to put on a mask before you go into the convenience store. Does that strike anybody as, as funny? Well, I hope that we can put a little bit of humor to this whole situation because, uh, in fact, the, the loss, the hurt that has occurred because of this pandemic is absolutely staggering. We had to cancel my mother's 94th birthday party last month. That was really hard to do because of the, of the pandemic. Visitors are not allowed on the campus of their retirement village and they're asked not to leave the campus because they don't want that virus um, to get there. The, the coronavirus has affected us in many, many ways. And in, in some ways it's made us uh, more aware of how vulnerable, uh, how out of control we really are. And uh, the word that I've heard that the best describes my personal um, feeling on this is, is disequilibrium. I have felt this disequilibrium about things being different, things changing day to day, that's been very, very hard for me to deal with and to live with. It seems like every article that I've read uh, about uh, the effect of things, the word that comes to the surface is uncertainty. The world is an uncertain place. And that's why in uncertain times, it's so vital for our well-being that we turn to what is certain. When I talk about turning to what is certain, I'm talking about God, and I'm talking about God's Word so that we can know what God has to say uh, to us about all of this. And we've been taking a look into God's Word during this sermon series, uh, Close Encounters with Jesus. We've been looking at some of the first people that encountered the living Jesus after the resurrection. And these were all people who knew what it was all about to have their world turned upside down pretty much overnight, as we've done too. We've looked at some, some of these uh, individuals and what we've seen is how encountering the living Jesus changed their perspective totally and gave them new hope so that they could go on. We started with talking about Thomas and about how Thomas had his doubts uh, relieved and his faith restored by encountering Jesus. We talked about Peter and after his huge big failure in denying Jesus, he was restored and found a new future through encountering the living and resurrected Jesus. Last week, Pastor Matt talked about Cleopas and the other disciple on the road to Emmaus and how Jesus uh, was present among them all of a sudden and they didn't recognize him, but it was in the breaking of the bread that uh, those disciples recognized who Jesus was and they found strength to go on and to continue in their life journey. 
well, how about, how about us? How about you and I in this uncertain times? Can we find peace and hope and everything that we need to go on uh, through these times in an uncertain journey? Well, before we dig into God's word to see what God may say about that, um, let's pray. Oh Lord, we give you thanks for your holy written word, powerful, sufficient, and true. We pray for your Holy Spirit to open our minds so that we can understand the scriptures and receive with joy what you would say to us this day. Amen. Well, let's dig into God's Word a little bit. And if you have your Bible, uh, if you could open that or in your electronic device, we're in the Gospel of Luke. We're taking a look at chapter 24, and we'll be going through that. Well, the disciples were huddled together soon after uh, the crucifixion, and of course, they were scared and unsettled. But to make things so much worse, they were hearing rumors. They were hearing stories that Jesus was actually alive. So picture this, use your imagination, play this movie in your mind. Can you imagine what it looked like? The disciples were all gathered together, just um, sinking in disappointment. And suddenly, all of a sudden, there's Jesus standing right before their eyes. I wonder who first noticed them and what was said. But look at verse 36. While they were still talking about this, Jesus himself stood among them and he said to them, Peace be with you. Well, they were startled and frightened, thinking they saw a ghost. Here's what they were not feeling, is peace. But Jesus said to them, Peace be with you. In times of disequilibrium, for us to have the peace uh, that we need, that we need to know of, of Jesus' presence among us. And we need to be willing to see Jesus for who he really is. They thought that he was a ghost. That seemed to happen to Jesus a lot. He was mistaken for somebody else. One time Jesus asked his disciples, who do people say that I am? Well, they said, well, you know, some say that you're John the Baptist which is kind of funny because John the Baptist is the one who heard God thunder from heaven of Jesus, uh, this is my son in whom I am well pleased. And they reported, well, some say that you're Elijah or Jeremiah. And that's funny because Jesus was the Messiah that was foretold by those Old Testament prophets uh, centuries ago. And many people in Jesus' time thought he was a military leader. They mistook him for the one who was going to come, organize a, a military overthrow of the Roman occupation. Nobody seemed to understand who Jesus really was, and they all wanted to make him something less than who he really is, something smaller. Well, it's easy for us to do that too, though we don't mean to. And especially in times like these, we might look to see Jesus as something smaller, as a problem fixer. And I know that I'm guilty of that. Maybe you're just so sick of not being able to get to work, not being able to be about your regular routine, that you, what you want from Jesus more than anything else in the world is just to be able to go back to work, to be able to relieve some of the financial stress. 
or maybe too much togetherness in the house with the family has gotten to be a little bit too much. The only one happy is the dog. Well, all the peace that you want is for the kids to go back to school, for everybody to go back to work, for things to get back to normal. You can have some peace and quiet. That's what you want from Jesus. But the peace that Jesus brings is a whole lot better and bigger than that because Jesus isn't the problem fixer. He's our helper, an ever-present help in dealing with those close quarters, in dealing with the financial problems that we're, that we're having or whatever else that we are facing. One of my favorite verses in the Bible that I say to myself a lot when I'm having a, a rough time is uh, it's from Psalm 46. It's verse 1. You might want to make note of that and, and just commit that to memory. It's this, God is our refuge and strength, an ever-present help in time of trouble. Jesus is an ever-present help when we are in trouble. He's the one who gives us our daily bread, what we need to get through today. He's the one that assures us he will be there tomorrow as an ever-present help. Well, that verse just gives so much reassurance and it doesn't sell Jesus short in any way. When Jesus met with his disciples before the crucifixion, he talked about peace. In John 14, he said, peace I leave with you my peace I give you, I do not give to you as the world gives. In the disciples' culture, um, leaving someone or uh, greeting them with uh, peace, that Hebrew shalom was a whole lot more than, than saying, how you doing or have a great day. That was a wish for a person's well-being, uh, for serenity, for inner satisfaction and completeness, not just for a person's prosperity or a smooth sailing. And those inner things are things that are facilitated through a relationship with Jesus, no matter what is going on in our time. That peace of Jesus transcends our understanding. That peace of Jesus transcends our circumstances. The risen Jesus suddenly appeared in the middle of the disciples' crazy upside-down world. Well, wouldn't you think that his presence there would suddenly bring them peace? But it didn't, the reason being that their doubts got in the way. For them to have the peace of Jesus, they had to believe that it was really him and it's easy for us to say, oh, those stupid disciples, why didn't they know? Why didn't they see this coming? Uh, but the truth is that we too can be pretty slow to give up our doubts about Jesus and pretty slow to recognize Jesus' presence with us, even right now during difficult times. Well, thankfully, our God is a gracious and merciful God when the disciples doubted, he didn't give up on them or vote them off the show. He gave them evidence that it was really him. Verse 38, he said to them, why are you troubled and why do doubts rise in your minds? Look at my hands and my feet. It is I myself, touch me and see. A ghost does not have flesh and bones as you see I have. And when he had said this, he showed them his hands and feet. He showed them 
evidence that it was really him. Jesus presents evidence of his presence to us as well. What evidence during this strange time have you seen and experienced of Jesus' presence? How has he revealed himself to you? Have you experienced him as maybe an ever-present help in this time of trouble? Maybe through a miracle? Maybe through other people? Uh, maybe just from a way that a whole bunch of circumstances strangely work together for good? And was there a time perhaps that your heart was strangely warmed when you were reading scripture, spending time in God's word, and it just, just gave you reassurance that Jesus was there? Well, take a moment, if you like, in the chat um, to say a word about that. Uh, you could just put the letter, perhaps, of one of these categories of maybe, how have you experienced the reality of God's presence? Maybe A, in God's provision you've experienced it. B, a personal relationship. C, peace in hard times. D, a miracle. Or maybe E, some other way that you've experienced the presence of Jesus. Maybe say a word about that. One of the most profound times that I experienced the peace of the presence of Jesus was when Diane Havrilla and Franny Path and some others prayed for me when I went to Will's Eye Hospital in Philadelphia. I was to have some very delicate eye surgery, surgery around my optic nerve, uh, to try to relieve a condition that was causing me to lose my vision. And talk about the power of prayer. I felt the presence of Jesus going into that uh, experience, and uh, it was a peace that moved me from being more scared than I had ever been in my whole life um, to being reassured and confident that God was with me, and no matter what happened, I was going to be all right. Well, praise God, the surgery worked, uh, and I can see today. But how about you? Has something happened that you knew it was Jesus? You have evidence. Those revelations are real. Hang on to them. They will help you get through this time or any hard time because they are experiences that have helped you get to know the risen Savior better and more personally. For the disciples, seeing and touching Jesus left them um, amazed and joyful, but they still, um, it just seemed too good to be true, so they had some doubts. Jesus gave them more proof. In verse 41, while they still did not believe it because of joy and amazement, they asked him, do you have anything here to eat? And they gave him a piece of broiled fish, and he took it and he ate it in their presence. Well, how's that? for fish. Ghosts don't eat fish. This was Jesus' body. This was Jesus' actual resurrected body right before them. It's important that we uh, understand that Jesus came to us fully human and fully divine. 
And that, that tells us that Jesus understands fully our humanity. It tells us that the suffering and pain that he endured on the cross was real pain, that the atoning sacrifice that he made was real, and it really does help us into a personal relationship with Jesus, which is something that brings us peace and well-being. And so, even if the world gets the best of us, even if a virus gets the best of us, we have the certainty that, um, that Jesus took care of things on the cross. That's the whole reason he came. That was the plan from the beginning. To the disciples, it seemed like everything had gone wrong, terribly wrong for Jesus, but it really hadn't. Verse 44, he said to them, this is what I told you, while I was still with you. Everything must be fulfilled that is written about me in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms. He says that there is a plan and Jesus himself is the fulfillment of the law and the prophets. Jesus is the fulfillment of the plan. It's never been a secret. It was all foretold in the scriptures in just amazing detail. The prophet Micah foretold what city Jesus would be born in. The prophet Isaiah foretold that Jesus would be born of a virgin. The prophet Zechariah foretold that the Messiah would, would enter Jerusalem triumphantly riding on a donkey, not on a war horse. There's um, a lot of evidence there. It's not all coincidence because that's all how things happened. When the disciples first encountered, encountered the resurrected Jesus, they needed a lot of proof. They looked at him and they touched him and they ate with him. But the most powerful proof that Jesus gave them was that he opened up their minds so that they could understand the scriptures, the law and the prophets and the Psalms. Verse 45, they opened their minds so that they could understand the scriptures. He told them, this is what is written, the Messiah will suffer and rise from the dead. And on the third day, repentance for the forgiveness of sins will be preached in his name to all nations beginning at Jerusalem. You are witnesses of these things. We too have the scriptures and we have the Holy Spirit to open those scriptures up to us so that we can understand everything that we need to know. It's a gift from God. Spend time in God's word. Draw on its power. Live in its promises and your life will be a witness to others. God calls us to be his witnesses how in a pandemic world are people seeing the presence of the risen Jesus through you because you are his witness? Jesus ate fish with the disciples. Now every second and fourth Wednesdays, Jesus' 21st disciples are giving witness to his presence by distributing food in our community through Fresh Express. Now, 14 uh, shepherds of First Church are just calling folks in the congregation in a time of isolation to touch base with them and see how they're doing, to remind them of the living presence of Jesus. 
Jesus is being made known through a life group that pooled their money together to buy a bunch of food uh, gift cards to give to folks. An individual just last week sent a, a card, a gift card for a grocery store with a note that said, for a family in need <clears throat> during these hard times. Disciples of Jesus are giving their witness by making takeout meals for our community on Monday nights and Wednesday nights. Meals are being taken to the emergency department of the hospital to show support. All these things give witness to the presence of the living Savior. Many of us are uh, grieving the fact today on Mother's Day that we can't go and uh, visit our moms because of the pandemic. And I think about my mom and I, I'm just so thankful for her love. I'm so thankful that, that her love is kind of like God's love in that it is steadfast. It is certain. It's something that I've had even when I've been at my most unlovable times. I'm, I'm really thankful for her love, and I'm really thankful for the witness that her life has been uh, to me and to God's love. And you know what? She's still at it in her witness. Um, about a year ago, my dad needed heart re valve replacement surgery. And when we were at the hospital uh, during that time, my mom had a little bag of little of New Testaments that she would give out to anybody in a waiting room or in a, in a hospital room, anybody that would listen to her, she would give one of these testaments uh, as her witness. Why would she do that? She just wants so badly for everyone to know God's plan, that plan of salvation, and to have the peace and the certainty of God's love and Jesus' presence with us in this life and in the life to come. May that be our assurance too. Peace be with you.